he runs. And actually, um, do you know where he's from? Danville. No, he's from Pulaski, Virginia. Oh, oh wow, brother! I had no idea. I recognize that whiskey nose for sure. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, he... watching that clip of him drinking Bud Light limes <laughs> in the back of the minivan—that <laughs> he was a Pulaski boy. He was a Pulaski man. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast. This is my legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers about college football and lifestyle. You can find us on the internet, www.thewheelroute.com. We are at the Wheel Route on Twitter, wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and we can get the show from our website or from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, yada, yada, yada. My name is Logan Whitehouse on Twitter at Logwan the Dawn. Uh, coming to you guys from Stewart, Florida. We've had a lovely fall weekend here. Uh, took in some football yesterday. Back in the routine after the you know the weird week after Thanksgiving where you kind of have to you know get your bearings again, um, you know life is good. Life is good here. Drank some beers and uh, enjoyed a little Florida football in, at three thirty. You know it felt good. Everything felt right in the world. Who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia, uh, where it's been you know continued to be brisk, trending towards winter as it does uh, i think we might be in store for a little bit of wintry mix overnight so i'm Ooh. excited for all the facebook posts from people i went to high school with saying that it snowed um th- those are always a yearly favorite of mine um i'm also on twitter.com at shank jordan where i don't know nothing nothing really important going on there these days uh yeah here i am Fresh off the Who's breaking a streak, they were they had not beaten Boston College in football ever prior to wow. this weekend. So, pour one out for Boston College's pride. Wait, is that true? A day yeah, that will live. They in were zero and six in the series. Wow, I had no idea. I mean, to be fair, they've only played Boston College what twice since they joined the ACC. Uh, two or three times, yeah, I think. One, it makes yeah. sense, but we talked I mean, about it. One of them, Jordan was down here for, and Jason. Let me tell you, Boston College un- unloaded a can. Of it, was, it was AJ Dillon's yes uh, <laughs> groundbreaking welcome to the spotlight moment <laughs> in Charlottesville. Got it. But we're past that, right? Yeah. NFL great AJ Dillon. Mm-hmm. Um, who's who's that? Who's that man in the purple? That bearded man in the purple. Yeah, I've uh, I've let things go a bit. Um, hits the hoodie and almost beard. My name is Jason Kreck, uh, oh, occasional contributor to the Wheel Rob podcast. Freelancer. Um, yeah, freelancer. Uh, I am also coming to you from a frigid, friendly city. Um, yeah, the wind the wind got up today it was unacceptable. Uh, and yeah, I've I've heard uh, I've heard we're gonna wake up to a, a light dusting uh, as well. Uh-huh. Um, I tweet things at Jason Kreck, um, including hilarious soccer goal videos that Logan liked today. Um, oh, oh, the petulance. <laughs> it's amazing. It was, it was so wonderful. Um, it, calls, it takes me back to the day where one Ethan Heil 
uh, rolled, <laughs> the ball to, rolled the ball to the inline and then nudged it in with his noggin. Nodded uh, it over. Uh, yeah. While on his during, stomach. <laughs> I think while having a, like a Kenny Powers mullet also mm-hmm. at the same time. I think all those things coincided. It was a real aligning of the stars. <laughs> um, yeah, I tweet things with Jason Craig. Um, excited to be back. Good to have you back. Yeah. Any, uh, any well, uh, JMU Dukes action you want to catch us up on that we missed while you were out? Or you just want to uh, get into the, some, some pigskin? Let's uh, let's just move into some pigskin. Let's okay. uh, let's keep the professional life out of this for the moment, yeah? Fair enough. Hey, it's a great request, Jason. All right, what are we drinking, boys? Uh, Jordan, delight me, delight me with your, your sparkling water selection tonight. I'm excited to hear. Uh, it's, it's another one of these Nomi's the Michigan cherry and lime. Uh, I'm, I'm about two thirds of the way through my box. Also, it's another sharp shopper find. Um, they've, they've grown on me a little bit, still not getting as much cherry as much Michigan cherry. Sorry. As I would like. Um, but I'll probably buy some more if, if they're there, when I go back the last time I went, all those San Pellegrinos had been wiped out, which was disappointing. Um, (laughs) But apparently, someone out there loves them. Uh, Two fifty a box. I saw them at Kroger for seven a box. If you yeah, those are those are really good. They um, are they like they're sweet though, aren't they? Uh, not these. So the like these are like the seltzer variety. Yeah, the Ascenza or whatever from the San Pellegrino. Those are zero cal. All that zero everything. Some Got some it. might say zero flavor, depending on which one you buy as well. Right. Gotcha. Uh, Cracky, what, what are we what are we popping up over there? I have discovered another uh Devil's Backbone Magic IPA in vegetable crisper and I'm taking advantage because it's a really good beer. Excellent. I have moved on. Jordan, I've graduated to the ne- the Modelo Negra. Uh, so yes. here we are. The winter Mexican beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're welcoming For those- the the For those chilly Caribbean nights, yes, right. when the winds of Santa Ana beer in, yes. in December, <laughs> Santa Ana winds are blowing. Uh, dash of lime in there. NBD did have. There was a uh, friend, friend of the podcast, Mike Redman, brought over some beers yesterday for the Florida game, and he uh, um, he had this UFO brewery, which I believe is in Boston. Um, Jason, I think we went there uh, actually. <laughs> Or one Daniel Bolt's wedding. Oh, uh, no, the one in the, the one in the water. Yeah, I think it's that one. Or at least they make the UFO. I think their flagship beer is the UFO. Anyhow, they had like this blonde. Uh, it was like this blonde little coffee action going on there. It was really good. It was really good. It was light. It was like a light beer with coffee essence, which was lovely. Because like, you, did, you did in fact, you did in fact call it that was Harpoon Brewery. It was on the water. Yes. Yep. Yeah, but UFO is their like their flagship beer, right? Yeah. They, they have a line of, it's like UFO varieties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyhow, he brought one of those over. Um, and uh, yeah, it, had one, it was really good. It was really good. Uh, I like a, I like a little coffee essence, but oftentimes like it's coupled with like a porter or a stout and I can't really, I can't really get super into the porters or the stouts all the time. Especially when it's, you know, always 80 degrees and 80% humidity. Exactly. Nothing like popping one on the beach and just, you know, taking down a nice coffee stout, oh, you know, yeah. like oatmeal stout to really, really. It really opens it. up in about two minutes after you take <laughs> it out of the 
<laughs> gotta let it breathe a little bit. Uh, get it deep in the hot sand. But uh, yeah, no. Anyhow, we're uh, we're all good, boys. How did Saturday go? Catch catch some foosball action, Jason. You seemed like you were catching some. I was getting the I was getting the tease from you. Yeah, yeah. I got. Uh, I had a little time, a little time on my hands to, <laughs> to watch some football. Hey, so I did. Uh, yeah, hitched up the old lazy boy like old days. It was good. Love to hear Love it. it. Any good snacks or just like grief? Do you have any grief snacks or sadness snacks or no? No, I didn't. Just, uh, oh, okay. Uh, had some had some J's for lunch and uh, I don't know what I did for dinner. I did something for dinner, but that's good. You look had healthy. Some, had some poppables, so gotcha. We um uh, we had a pretty snappy back and forth about bagels on Twitter the other day, Jason. I was pretty proud of. I was pretty proud yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Not too I mean, bad. It was it's reasonable and measured. You know, yeah, yeah it was fine. As all I have conversations just, are. I'm sure most. I'm sure like I have just never had a mind-blowing bagel but like i struggle to understand how like a any one given bagel could really like blow my mind that much like, again i'm just like all right you know here's, what I'm saying? Like, here's what i would say to that okay your baseline is mr j's is that a fair statement to make my bagel experience is Mr. J's and Bodo's, and there's a place like like New York style bagel places that aren't in New York. So sure. sure, but I think like I think that in and of itself is good enough to where if that's your baseline, it's hard to be impressed. Oh, okay. If you like grow up other places that don't necessarily have these types of shops, then you're like, dang, Bodo's, this is legit. Dang, Mr. J's, this is incredible. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, I mean that that's fine. I just I guess I operate more from the like I, I go more from the uh the standpoint of like most bagels are fine and are a delivery tool for like toast. Like it's essentially toast. Like I, and I can understand, like, listen, the crust on a bagel matters, right? Like if it sucks, it sucks. Like I, I could I could see it sucking, so yeah, I, I got gotcha. you, and I don't really, you know, I don't believe me. We don't need to get into a bagel conversation because that's <laughs> bad, that's bad, 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 bad. But um, I just thought it was interesting. Some, some, one of the guys that was like tweeting was like coming in like really hard on like a bagel place, and it essentially like seemed like it was just like for like, it was calling bagel. He was calling, I guess, Bodo's insanely average, and I would just I would posit that bagels operate at a fairly average as far as moving the needle for me in general yeah so i mean i think the best bagel i've had versus the worst bagel i've had like the delta is not that great (laughs) you know what i'm saying like that's that's what i have to say yeah that's fair i think that's fair i mean i think it i think it gets into kind of what you're saying is that like um i mean so it's it's kind of the same idea behind el charo right like (laughs) harrisonburg people harrisonburg people ride for el charo Right. And, you know, I, I love, I would own stock in El Charo if I could. I probably have paid enough to that place by now that I could. But, like, could be a most towns, I should. Most towns have an El Charo. And, oh, yeah. Ours here um, is called Rancho Chico, in case you're right. uh, Yeah, I mean, Bikesburg has El Rodeo, and There's Richmond has, like, five. Puerto and, and Charlottesville loved El Puerto. And so uh, I think, I think, uh, I think, it, well, who, who was the original one that said it? Uh, I think it was Amin, right? Maybe, uh, yeah, probably. Uh, oh no, it's an Ishraf. Um, Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Common mistake. Can edit, Everyone can edit that first one out. Um, Everyone's made it. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think he was making fun of Vince at UVA because in their game notes, UVA put that like Bodo's bagels are the best in the country or something like that. And oh, he was okay. just like, I think he was just kind of just like, I, I feel like the way UVA people ride for Bodo's is the way UVA or the way Harrisonburg people ride for Charlo. Yeah, well, and that's what is, I was just. So, yeah, my point was yeah. that people ride for their hometown more than they ride for a particular the food product item. itself. So, yeah, so it's like, I mean, like, I sure. Agree. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm down for Mr. J's. It's kind of a grimy place in like, in the grand scheme of Mr. J's kind of a grimy place. <laughs> that's that's so aggressive. Well, it is. I don't I mean, see Mr. Like, J's as grimy. I think that's part of the charm though. If you compare like going into a Mr. J's versus going into a Bodo's, Mr. J's is significantly grimier. The food is better or, yeah. or, or as good. But I, I just think that like the, right. the look of the place is the not, overall uh, experience. yeah, the overall aesthetic is not that of like, you know, they're it's not, not posting the their, Charlottesville corner. It's their, not their ninety nine point five uh, sanitation scores and getting posted behind the behind the desk. All right, I'm just saying. Right. Fair enough. They have the same right. like the the same toothpicks in the as as bestest little ceiling uh, tiles. Man. <laughs> the toothpicks in the ceiling <laughs> tiles. Yeah, yeah. Iconic. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, like to me, that that's what I mean when I say grimy. I don't mean like it's unsafe okay. to eat there. I just mean that yeah, it has yeah. like it's like like spankies. There's a lot more. There's a lot more like down home kind of character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I guess yeah, yeah. It's, it's rugged. Like Memphis. Crab. I wouldn't compare it's it to Spanky's since Spanky's straight up did close because of sanitation scores. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, it had it had the vibe. It had the vibes. And yeah, we, we can we can move off this. Um, Jordan, anything to report? How are things? Uh, things are pretty good. Still a little salty about my money line parlay that I texted you guys about in. <laughs> in the morning hours of saturday uh 10 games took the money line on big favorites in all of them and wouldn't you know it the marshall thundering herd just really really pooped in my raisin bran um they were so they ran they ran this little tidbit on the ticker uh marshall losing to rice on saturday as i think 20 21 point favorites something like that that was the second biggest upset in college football this year point spread wise i think Mm -hmm. there were two others that were 27 and a half points uh kent state over oklahoma was one i don't remember the other one um but yeah not not my favorite way to have the noon slot go but uh you know we'll be backing at it a week from (laughs) yesterday (laughs) <laughs> it's not about how many times you fall down. It's about how many times you get up. That's right. Dwayne Wade. That's, yep. that's, a, that's a Dwayne Wade original. That's the Converse he, commercial. Yeah. He made, he made that up. Um, I uh, had a lovely weekend here. You know, like you're saying, back on the Grizzly. Got a couple workouts in this weekend with the squad. Um, otherwise, just watched football and, you know, undid my progress in the gym by drinking beers and eating nachos on the couch, <laughs> as one does. Oh, 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 oh. We're sitting around last night, um, had a couple of friends here at the house. We were hungry, and Lily was hungry because she did that thing that she does where she doesn't eat for like three, two straight days. So um, if you guys are wondering how she stays trim, uh, it turns out if you just only eat like every third day, yeah. you're, you're, you're it's, good. And you it's pick, intermittent like, fasting. Yeah. Yeah. Intermittent fasting. Like if you like mildly just, concerning, like, whiff, whiff some coffee, like, uh, you know, every third day, it'll, it keeps you centered. Um, and you know, you really don't get lightheaded until that really the end of that third day. But she, uh, uh, our friend is sitting there on the couch and she's like, let's go to Cracker Barrel. So we went to Cracker Barrel at like 8 30 PM for dinner. It was delightful, delightful. Not a soul in there. 
course. Believe it. Um, the road, some evidently a, a you know R.I.P. A, a gentleman got hit by a car um, near the Cracker Barrel, and they trauma hawked him out of there. So the road was closed. So we actually had to take like a twenty minute circuitous drive up to the next exit on ninety five, so we could bang it back down um, to get in. And uh, we did get in. Um, Jason. At Cracker Barrel, I feel like you'd be interested in this. The Country mm. Boy Breakfast now has the option of a sirloin steak <laughs> as one of the meats. And, I mean, it was like 10.69 for this, man. I'm talking three eggs, a sirloin steak, biscuits, gravy, apples, cheese, hash brown, grits. I mean, it was insane. We were out of there for like less than 20 bucks, and I had steak and eggs. Yeah, listen, I, I love me some – I will ride for Cracker Barrel. Oh, uh, me too. Me too. I mean, I have no problem. I have no problem. I, so here's my here's my weird take as like like steak is my one of my couple top couple favorite foods and mm-hmm. breakfast is my like probably favorite meal of the day. Uh, okay. I don't I don't like steak for breakfast. That's okay. fine. It's not for me. How do you that, feel about uh I I don't know if these are exactly the same, but chicken fried steak or country fried steak? Yeah, wow. it, it's good. Um, I'm, in. I'm into it. Big yeah, time. It's, it's real tasty. It's a <laughs> big thumbs up. Over so here. salty. So salty. I was going to say, it's, it's a real good way to save a not great cut of meat because, uh, you know, when oh, in doubt, yeah. fry it and you still get a little bit of that beef flavor. Um, so I like it. Uh, it's It seems more apt for breakfast than just a normal, like, seared steak. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I'm still probably, uh, I'm still probably not buying it. Yeah, I mean, when like in my opinion, steak for breakfast is fine. It's maybe not my first choice. Yeah, but I think that's because a lot of establishments don't necessarily put a lot of time into the steak because they're just like, yeah. I mean, well, by definition, they'll be they'll be excited about it, right? And by by definition, it's probably not like the best cut or like yeah, you know, seen to with care. It's a pretty. I I don't necessarily want. A good cut first thing in the morning when I'm like wolfing down coffee. <laughs> no, as well. Exactly. <laughs> just yeah. red meat. Just, just like just... a prime ribeye at like eight fifteen in the morning is not going to do it for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll like I'll eat the the flank steak or whatever you got, but maybe like yeah. put some marinade or an exciting seasoning on it when you put yeah. it on the flat top, rather than just Agreed. like here's some salt and you can you can put your grits on top of it to is, keep it moist. Yeah shoe sole that we put yeah. on your yeah yeah that being yeah. said i mean hash brown like uh i mean the deal that, that, the deal is it's a tremendous deal and it was not like yeah. it was not it sounds a little, like a cookout level deal it was not was, a, a, a little <laughs> yeah it was not a little and that's not a descriptor we throw around too easy yeah, yeah so jason here's my question in my situation it was 8 30 at night and i was eating breakfast food do you not like steak as a part of breakfast food or you just don't like it in the morning i, I think it's much more acceptable just like combined with breakfast food at Brinner or something like that. Okay, um, all right. So I so I, I think I, it's I just passed. I think it's just the idea of of steak <laughs> before like ten a.m. is weird to me. That's before fine. you've had That's your fine. morning poop. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Let's go with that. Um, that being oh, said, I mean, listen. Me, I had that, it sounds like that would have been. It sounds like that would have been a really good deal After without the steak. So. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you had the option. It was like sirloin steak or ham. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not even there. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sorry. I'm not, like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to ask, like, a burger patty. Can you burn a burger patty and bring <laughs> it out just, here? Fricassee something. And, douse, it in, douse it in gravy. But, um, uh, I, I do love, I mean, 
Cracker Barrel is an American icon and I love it dearly. Um, mm-hmm. And once you get past the like, kind of sort of uncomfortable general store in the front, it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, Some good like white elephant gifts options in there that's very true yeah that's a very good point a lot of albums the uh the like the uber ride i picked up from a cracker barrel one time (laughs) oh no i I don't think so but go on so this was like i mean this was back pre pre pre-pandemic times i was driving uber occasionally and like honestly my favorite times to drive were when a surprise snow event would happen like as i was leaving work because people would freak out and they'd like there'd be abandoned their vehicles and well there there'd be that or just like yeah my like battery died or i don't like driving in the snow so whatever um or like public transit would get impacted so there'd be surge pricing so i'd flip it on i've got a an outback all-wheel drive i'm comfortable <laughs> ripping it in the snow as, as the chains on over into the shoots oh, no the chains chain. necessary baby the, the subi the subi does what the subi does yeah, it's got that deep tread yeah so i got like i got a, a ride request from the cracker barrel out by the uh the massanutten votech and picked up a girl who's getting off of work and needed to be driven to her car in the walmart parking lot of harrisonburg crossing um her boyfriend ordered it was one of those situations where like the account holder just ordered it for somebody else um but it was fine because like she's paying 3x 4x rate whatever and nobody's drunk well not nobody but for the (laughs) most part people people are much less intoxicated at that point of the day so there's a lot less risk for vomit and what have you um so yeah it was it was a nice pleasant trip down 11 in, in the middle of a wintry event and it worked out and you got that you got that surge pricing got that yeah. surge pricing love it love to see it i will um, say that the, the what it's like the cheesy bacon casserole at at cracker barrel is that's the dish i, I was trying to think of it earlier i couldn't think of it. i just want to shout that out real fast cheesy bacon casserole cheesy cheesy hash brown casserole sorry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. They have like a new they have a new dish i saw that i almost got that it was like a i believe it's like a hash brown casserole bowl in, in which you basically just got like a, a bed of hash brown casserole and like potato egg. and cheese in a bowl yeah yes yes but it they threw me off because it was like there were scrambled eggs under and i'm more of a put the eggs on top kind of guy i would have been mm-hmm. i would have been much more into like a, a over medium egg or three on top of the hash I was gonna say, it feels like the whole goal there is that you get the the over easy or over medium egg on top and you can pop it and uh-huh. it, the, it, the gift keeps giving yeah exactly yeah, yeah exactly. a little cheese maybe like a little pico de gallo in there oh that preach on it yeah it would be home but anyhow i digress lovely experience at the Stewart florida cracker barrel shout out to them since we lost our bagel sponsorship earlier we can pick up <laughs> yeah, yeah we can get a cracker barrel but uh, all right, let's move to a little, little bit of college football talk, guys. It is our favorite time of the year, coaching carousel season. This that silly season, so bad to say. We love firing people and <laughs> projecting where they should but get hired. Some some could argue that coaches moving on creates new jobs. <laughs> yeah, we're job. We're we are job. Yeah, it's actually good for the economy. Yeah. <sighs> all right, so. Uh, to bring everybody up to speed here, we have, I think, two open jobs. 
Vanderbilt, excuse me, burped a little bit. Uh, this is the sirloin. <laughs> Vanderbilt and South Alabama are currently open. Um, the Jaguars. Did they do that? No, South Alabama, their mascot oh, is the yeah, Jaguars. Yeah, they're the Jaguars. Like, oh, yeah, soon to join. That's a random soon trivia tidbit, I know. Right. Um, do we have – there's probably another one that's like a smaller school or just like a random school that I, I'm not keeping track of. But Vanderbilt, I think, is the, the main one there. It is an SEC job. It is a weird job. We've talked about it a little bit on here. They have some uh, – I don't know. They have like they, they have like the same kind of problems that maybe say Stanford or Georgia Tech or schools of that ilk might have in which you're kind of in a big city and ostensibly a good place to play football, but you like that maybe the school is holding you back a little bit more than like where you are and the conference you're in. Um, and to be a good to, historical to be a good like team. prominence too. Right. Yeah, to be a good football team. Yeah. Derek Mason did get fired there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't even really know what to what to think about this job. Um, I'm excited I did, to see who gets it. It appears Scott Cochran is interested, uh, former Alabama strength coach and hype man, um, which would be wild. I mean, I would love that actually. I would just <laughs> I would just love to get his uh, to get his um, you know. Pressers, pressers. I, mean, I would just say that guy, have, that guy would have to be in front of a mic twice a week. I don't. Yeah, I mean, and Mason was pretty intense. You know, like Derek Mason's yeah. an intense dude, and like this guy would melt the microphone with the intensity. And you know, um, it'd be fun. I, I don't know that it would go well. I don't know what kind of football mind he is, but <laughs> it's like maybe he could. He it he got be... he has a position job at Georgia now, right? Special teams, yeah. I think. Yeah, he's on yeah. the field or something. I mean, and in, in Shane Beamer's case, evidently that's all you need to get hired to be, get the big wow. whistles. Nepotism had nothing to do with it. Um, Adam. I I think like if Cochran got the job, I would be most excited to see what kind of like SEC network behind the scenes, you know, building of the program docu series they would do potentially. I'd watch. True, that. it'd be a hell of one. Yeah. So just yeah. a programming pitch for for our <laughs> colleagues over at the big show. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, South Alabama's open. I would think your your pool for this job would probably include um, coordinators, maybe some SEC coordinators or guys looking to move on. It seems that there's some interest in this job. I don't really – is this a Sunbelt job? Is South Alabama the Sunbelt? Uh, that sounds right. Mm. You would think they should be. I don't know so what else maybe. they'd be in. Yeah, they are. They are. There's, I mean, they're not in Conference USA, so they're got to be in the Sun Belt, I think. So, yep. um, um, in Alabama, I'm old, to, I'm old enough to remember when South Alabama started their program. Right, not uh, that long ago. Because when they started the program, they brought Mickey Matthews down to interview, and uh, right. it was like the, the biggest thing in, on JMU's campus for like a day and a half. Hmm. I do remember that. That is Ross, yeah. Ross Matheny. Was a grad assistant at South Alabama. There you go. <laughs> wow. I think, no, I think he actually oh, transferred cool. and played his last season. Yeah, right. I think he did play there. That's okay. where Ralph Matheny is now. I think um, he, he appears to be a grad assistant at Kansas State. Oh. I oh, think he's at BMI for a cup of coffee. At too. least that's that was the first Google hit. He might have moved on. Hold on a second. 
All right. Well, this is very inside. A lot of people yeah, are excited. I'm glad four people are understanding what we're talking about. Yeah. All right. Uh, we do have a couple jobs that got filled. Um, the first uh, one that we should talk about is South Carolina. The Gamecocks hired legendary fo- uh, Virginia Tech football coach's son. Frank Beamer is his name. Shane Beamer, his son Shane, got hired uh, at South Carolina. Um, we had a little bit of a back and forth in the group chat about this yesterday. I I am more – I will just get out there with my take on the pod right now. I'm more dubious of, the, of, of South Carolina as a job than I am of Shane Beamer as a potential coach. That's, that's, where, that's where I land. I think this job is just guaranteed three years and get fired, um, especially with Georgia and Florida being where they are, Kentucky being where they are, and Clemson being where they are. That's – Basically, four guaranteed losses every year, and then you're going to be fighting for scraps with Tennessee. Who, I mean, I mean, you're you, you, good. Congratulations, you can fight for scraps with Tennessee. Like that's that's an indictment in and of itself. Um, you know, they could get better. I, they're they're in a reasonably good location to recruit. Uh, when Spurrier was there, he was able to recruit the sort of. Uh, metro north carolina like charlotte area they they do a pretty good job over there and then you know you're not far from florida and everything else to actually get to recruit but i i just uh yeah i'm wary i'm wary of this this job i I think that this is either a stepping stone for beamer if it goes well um i don't really see like shane beamer south carolina football lifer uh coming here um but i think more likely than not he gets fired in three to four years Because put the cherry on top of that <laughs> because, because of the job. I mean, can you yeah. Remember? I mean, I think I think that part of your take is is exceedingly reasonable. Um, it, it's it's strange. Like it feels like South Carolina is like, well, we should be there with Clemson, and it's like, well, I mean, I guess you were back in the day, but you've never been at the level that Clemson is at now, ever. Um, you know, Spurrier, like Spurrier, somehow, like, Spurrier has a winning record against Clemson, doesn't he? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, I, South Carolina has never programs. been at the level that Clemson oh. is currently, which is, yeah. you know, top five programs in the country. And that like, one, like, two-week span where they beat Alabama and then turned around and shat their pants, like, a week later. Right. Yes. So, yeah. So um, Two weeks does not a, a program make. I've often said this. Right. I mean, Spurrier pulled off miracles and got, you know, Marcus Lattimore and um, – oh, God. Jadavion. Thank you. Jadavion and, like – I and mean, Steven two, Garcia. Uh, that's a fair point. I can't argue with it. Um, so like like two generational talents and what topped out at 10 wins, I think. Probably. Yeah. And so like I'm not sure where South Carolina's expectations are coming from, but they are not in line with their resources and recruiting and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, like you said, you've you've if you get yourself into the national elite. That's when you take four losses a season off the table, basically. Yes. Um, and even then, you still got to beat those teams, and that's not that's fifty-fifty at best. Even once you get up there, um, and so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think South Carolina is a good job. Um, and I, I think I'm going to lead into your point here, Jordan, because I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, by all accounts, Shane Beamer incredibly popular with South Carolina players, um, at least former yeah. ones, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's I think he's young and smart and versatile enough to to kind of play that CEO role of like 
let me let me probably not make as much as like a, a slam dunk South Carolina hire would make, but let me bring in, you know, top 10 paid offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and that sort of thing. And now you still have to get those hires right, which is easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But um, I, th- I think he has the versatility to to not have this be a disaster. Um, and he's he's young and he's charismatic and he'll charm the pants off some donors and do all the things you need a, a program head to do. So I think it could succeed. I think he's very unproven, but I also like what – who is South Carolina going to bring in? Are they going to like – Oh, that, that's a great point. I mean, I yeah. I mean, who who I don't I don't I have no idea who they hired. That's, that's that's more of the genesis of my point is that I yeah. just think that this job is a an uphill battle at best. Like yeah. I I would like in if I, I brought up I brought up Dan Mullen because I always bring up the Gators because I'm a you know that's what I do. But I Dan Mullen went to Mississippi State and did things in Mississippi State that had never ever been done there for a period of time that like demonstrated. He was batting way above their meet their mean, basically for his entire uh, his entire stint there. I I could see someone like Beamer coming in if they're able to do that to get South Carolina to a point where they're winning eight to ten games a year. That's great, and that's going to demonstrate you're a good coach. But you're not probably going to you're still not going to win a national championship. You're probably not going to win the East most years with that. And um, I think South Carolina is doing the thing where they're looking across the state at Clemson and they're trying to play a comparison because I would, I would guess that the funding and all that is relatively equal. I just think Clemson has a whole lot easier time and they're recruiting better and they've had, they've had more success right now. And I mean, I, I, I don't, I think Clemson is clearly a better football team talent wise, but I, I would, I don't think there's that big of a difference. I just think that Clemson has a lot easier go of it. More I would be interested in that because I, I I am talking without actually knowing the numbers. I have no idea what football respective football and support budgets are for Clemson and South Carolina. So that right. would be an interesting look, especially. I mean, Clemson is almost certainly tops in the ACC, whereas South Carolina is probably sixth or seventh in the SEC. Uh, maybe, maybe, but I mean, they did just they did just come up with money to pay an eighteen million dollar buyout to well, fair. Coach. I, I, I mean, don't categorize that as budget, but yes, money, baby. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I just like, I think, I think ultimately a lot of these schools have deep enough pockets to the, to where I, I really don't think that that matters outside of like a Vanderbilt or, or something like that, that, that they're just not that interested in being. So then, so then it becomes like, even if you have a ton of dollars, there is a finite amount of those dollars. So it becomes which direction do you point the money cannon? And right. you still got, that, I mean, that's the thing that, that's the thing that separates it is like, probably. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about Blacksburg, but they pointed the money cannon in the wrong direction in multiple areas and multiple times, <laughs> several times. And, you know, um, you get to see it. Whereas, same thing in like Florida State or something like that. Whereas, you know, a school like App State has a very tiny money cannon, but they're, they've pretty much pointed at the exact right place for four years running. So, um, I mean, it, it gets back to your people matter as much as your bank account. And, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I don't know much about the infrastructure around South Carolina, but it it does seem like best case there is ten wins, and so I don't know. We'll see. So that and that, that though, I I yeah. think they probably do, but I think that just turns this. I think then by 
not definition, but that turns this job into the Mississippi State job, it, which in which you go there and you point. you demonstrate that you're a good coach and you wait for the yeah. perfect opportunity to move to an elite job, which could hey that's fine, but I mean, if you're Shane Beamer, is your is your long game to be Virginia Tech's head coach? He's been fairly open about not wanting to coach there. Okay, um, I, I didn't know that. from I from figured... what I can I I haven't seen it out in front, but like from from several accounts. He's been pretty open about not wanting to coach there. That's smart. Not to not to turn this into me taking shots for the entire episode, but kind of to do that. Um, but he, I mean, the two reasons are one, he doesn't want to coach in the shadow of his dad, which totally makes sense, and two, yeah. because of the way things have been managed. So, uh, all right, Jason, real quick, I did uh, I did some some very quick n- numbers. So it looks like Clemson told Bloomberg. In 2019, the athletic budget was 131 million at Clemson. This is athletic budget, yeah. Uh, and at South Carolina, it was 127 million. So about the same. Allocation would be interesting. I, I was going to say, I wonder how they divvy it up. I mean, sure, it, but that makes uh, sense. I mean, I'm sure Clemson is getting the the SEC TV budget TV yeah. check is bigger than the ACC TV check, but I'm sure Clemson is is hitting yeah, on, on all cylinders with the network. <laughs> Speaking, speaking of freaking Clemson, have y'all seen the commercials for the Disney yes. Plus movie yeah. where they've yes, got like 35-year-olds in Clemson uniforms <laughs> yeah. and we're supposed to believe that they're college kids? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it's it. insulting my favorite. how stupid my favorite. they are. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite thing. A good follow-up. Appreciate that. Jordan, get in here. Yeah, sorry. We've been we've been running all over you here. Do you have any thoughts? No, it's fine. Um, I think like – as Jensen, as Jason kind of alluded to, I am a little more optimistic about Mr. Shane's old Mr. Coach Shane's uh, chances at success in this job, um, but that is assuming that his approach is kind of that I'm gonna I'm gonna handle big picture CEO donors thirty thousand foot view like you know, putting, I'm going to focus on revitalizing the energy around this program, the public facing stuff. Not to say that he's not a, a competent football mind, but he is not known for just really having it dialed in on any one of the, I mean, he's never, he's, I don't think he's been a coordinator, right? Like, I I think he's been a special teams coordinator. Okay. Special teams um, coordinator and run game coordinator, and he did something on defense too. That's he's been on all three oh, sides. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Then that's good to know. But like he's he's gonna have a lot of assume he's gonna have a lot of competency, just like overall roster management wise, that type of stuff. But I I'm not expecting him to like he brings a kind of like you mentioned, Logan, a calling card or an identity to the program of like. Oh, yeah. South Carolina is going to be this. We know what this team right. will be moving forward. He's not. He's not bringing the Shane Beamer offense to. Yeah. The, yeah. So, like we said, offensive coordinator hire, defensive coordinator hire, going to be very, very important. But I think he. Well, that's always can, true. Yeah. Yeah, but he. But I think more important for him than other coaches because yeah. he doesn't have that type of. But again, I. So I think like if he can do kind of like what Mac Brown's done at UNC, like he's, he's put some lead in that pencil in relatively quick fashion. Um, I think like I also said, my big kind of curiosity is 
what is his ultimate job that he wants that he's going to use this to get. But I also think he's in kind of a really good position where you either, if it doesn't work out, you're getting a a healthy buyout. You're going to be fine financially in the end. But if it does work out, like you have an excellent on your resume to like, if you can resurrect South Carolina and get them back to what, yeah, yeah, fair. So I like, yeah, I am especially curious where his coaching career ultimately goes. Is it NFL? Is it one of the, you know, big, big college jobs, but um, from South Carolina's perspective, I think it's an interesting hire because he like his coaching career to this point has not like involved a lot of building something from you know dire straits or taking something from bad to good it's just always kind of been like this is a good situation and it continues to be good like south carolina oklahoma and georgia those are his three big stops and those were none of those were big rebuild jobs so that is is an interesting slant on like i think south carolina maybe should have looked for someone with that type of experience to hire and maybe they did and got turned down but uh, sure shane beamer doesn't seem to fit that particular mold and, yeah and i think south carolina has got a bit of a i mean Certainly they have a talent issue. I know he's ostensibly a good recruiter. I think he's done plenty of that. And it's like I said, has a really good relationship. I think he's a popular guy. So mm-hmm. if he can if he can leverage the fact that everyone likes Shane Beamer and he's a popular guy and like you said, make the right decisions, then they could they could be onto something. But I just I question the overall ceiling at that job versus Shane Beamer's career goals, which I think is a is a cool point that you made, Jordan. Um, because it's like, yeah, I mean South Carolina is not a small job either. I mean, it's a right. SEC East job, and it's kind of it's. I would say it's better than Kentucky. Um, yeah. And you're, you know, so if you're gonna move up, you're gonna go, you're gonna go coach Georgia in the division when Kirby's done. Like, are you gonna go coach Oklahoma? Like, I mean, like those are the kind of jobs if you're gonna move up that you're gonna have to go to, right? Yeah. Um, and it would be, it would be really weird to see a coach in like switch in division like that. Um, one year to the next, but oh well. Crazier things have happened. All right, let's keep it moving here. So South Carolina has their guy. Um, a couple notes there. I did see Traveris Robinson, the um, defensive coordinator, is not going to be staying on at South Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. which is – Is that Bud Foster's music I hear? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't hate him, Traveris Robinson, making his way back to Florida. Just saying, um, would be nice. Uh, we'll see how these things shake but out. But where would Todd Grantham go? Traveris Robinson is a Will Muschamp guy. They are they are tied forever together. Sure, so Shane uh, Muschamp just wouldn't go back to Florida. Wouldn't that be something? Wow, <laughs> the little whistle. You see Muschamp just getting it, getting it in his glasses from Dan on the sideline. Um, all right, let me get back to my uh, my notes here. All right, other job that's open Southern, or sorry, that closed Southern Miss hired Will Hall from I believe Tulane offensive coordinator. Oh, is that I think I remember is? that name from last year. I think he is. Uh, so they, I mean, it's not 
not Willie Fritz, but Will Hall. Um, Willie Fritz, I guess, is still doing his thing as as the uh, the big whistle there. So yeah. I don't really have a whole lot to say about Mr. Will Hall. I would love to do some some research and see how these things go. Seems to be a fairly well thought of hire. Fascinating. Terms. He's like he's worked his way up through like D two and and uh, some spots spots like that. Like he, yeah. I mean, he came from. From like his first head coaching job was West Alabama, where he was the offensive coordinator first. And then he went to West Georgia, and then he was the OC of Louisiana. And boy, he's had a really interesting trip. He has been some places. So next stop, South Carolina, when Shane Beamer takes the USC West job. <laughs> to be oh, the I first think. guy to coach at both USCs, right? <laughs> then, the then he will be the utmost authority on what is the true USC. Which is which? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. We'll be able to ask him that after his career is over. Um, <laughs> okay, on the hot seat, just so we talk about it here, I have ranked these probably not in order of heat, but we will start. Uh, I'll start with what I think is the hottest. With that is Texas. Um, Texas, I mean, listen, I don't really, I don't really like Tom Herman. Like, doesn't really seem like my kind of guy. Like, and that's fine. Um, but I, I just think that uh, he is getting the Clay Helton treatment right now, in which oh, yeah. we are just openly discussing Texas meeting with Urban Meyer, Texas meeting, reaching out to Dan Mullen, Texas reaching out to all manner of, of people. And it's like, whew, this guy still has the job. I mean, they scored 69 points and beat a Kansas State team. Yesterday, I mean, it was like, so I, I I, guess maybe we're trending in the direction of Texas. Like if they think they can get their guy, which is the Texas thing to do, right? They'll probably pull the trigger and, and make the money happen. Yeah, and, Texas never and misses on their guy. You've seen but. some, I have seen some r- dubious reporting out there about Urban Meyer, like has like, I think he's got like a, a group of guys that he sort of wants on his, his core four or whatever guys that he wants on his staff. Um, many of them, I believe, are happily employed at Ohio State right now and, and doing pretty well and don't, I don't think, want to uh, maybe abandon that. Um, does, I don't know. I just, they, and, and I also would just say, we know how the Urban Meyer thing ends too. Much like we know how the Will Muschamp thing ends, mm-hmm. we know how the Urban Meyer thing ends. And, it and ends Texas, probably, Texas knows how it ends too. And they're still yeah. ready to sign up for it. I yeah, will... and like, you'll get better. I think I, I'll nip, um, I'll nip all this in the bud. By it came out about forty-five minutes ago that reportedly Texas's flirtation with Urban Meyer is over. Oh, um, until they come up with ten million more. <laughs> Chip Brown at twenty-two-four-seven Sports reports that Meyer is leaning toward not coaching again due to health concerns. Ah. Uh. How, yes. how um, if Meyer's answer is indeed a no, there's a good chance Herman remains as the head coach of the Longhorns. A university coach, a university source, which is always who you should trust, <laughs> says there was an opportunity here too good not to pursue with Urban. If he's a definite no, we just need to step back and assess. So now that they've nuked their recruiting for two years, they're going to try to yeah. pass it back to. Uh, it's important to note that higher ups in college sports are not geniuses. <laughs> Right. Much like football coaches are not coronavirus experts. Much like higher-ups in almost any field are not geniuses. I was was thinking about this today while I was, like, taking apart my (laughs) washing machine and cleaning it. Um, 
side note as one does yeah side note that was a fun little thing to do just pop the top on your on your washing oh, yeah. machine and I've done that before. it's piled in there <laughs> yeah it is it can get gnarly um but like it's wild how in our society we just automatic well not we i think the three of us are are a little above this but the royal we people yeah. people in general tend to look at people with wealth or in positions of power and just assume like well they they're experts on everything they did something to deserve this yeah like first of all you really only need to be really good at maybe one thing to get rich sometimes you don't need to be really good at anything to get rich um, you'll be lucky and like hit it yeah, right or you just I, need to I know people just marry the right person yeah and so yeah we get to see it play out in a lot of different arenas unfortunately and college sports is definitely not immune to that particular flaw of humanity mm -hmm. so just just funny how i think that that nice. might have been my favorite um that might have been my favorite response to all the idiots talking about the uh like the what's her name at vanderbilt taking the kickoff uh, and oh yeah. Dan Walken, Dan Walken was like, "Yes, everything in college sports is a meritocracy, which is why every coach's son is a graduate assistant." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yup, yup, pretty much. But uh, yeah, anyhow, Texas is is a weird and I don't think completely indicative example of like the greater college football landscape. But uh, you know, I think that they. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I got out there with this and I saw I wasn't the, obviously not a unique take. They should just hire Jimbo. I mean, the, the clear BDE move here is is the hire Jimbo. And, pay uh, Jimbo more than A&M can pay. <laughs> I, and, see, I think they Texas can run that stagnant, awful offense that Jimbo <laughs> rolls out there for three games a year and still like fart their way to random victories. Where your Ugh. QB throws 21 times a game and Ugh. it's groundbreaking. See, I think of the Texas job right now, and I think we discussed this a little bit about the USC job when maybe last year when it looked really bad for Clay Helton before he kind of went on a winning streak. Um, like Texas and USC, those institutions are so much bigger than like they have they have this aura, this idea of here's what it needs to be and whoever we hire needs to conform to that instead of like right having a an a, an appropriate dose of humility and being like we're going to get the best available and let them do their thing and stay out of their way right when, when appropriate so for those guys the core four guys of urbans who are like not you know they're very happy at ohio state i completely get that because uh -huh. Ohio State, like, yeah, they're they're not perfect by any stretch either in terms of the morality of an institution or a program. But um, I think they don't quite have that arrogance that maybe a Texas or a USC has. Yeah, potentially more annoying fans, though. But oh, for yeah, sure. <laughs> right about that. Just I think volume, though. You got a lot of volume there. They're they're they're. Loud. they're uh, they're really cranking them out. But uh, all right, let's go next up uh, in order of hotness. Is it, what is it, Michigan or, B, or VPI? Thanks, Virginia Tech. All right, VPI. Uh, is I, don't know. I feel like Michigan has already made up their mind, haven't they, pretty much? I don't know. I saw some weird thing about Harbaugh getting an extension. Oh, I, I, I saw a weird thing about Harbaugh 
trying to find a protein that'll hire him. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen both of those in the last weeks, but most recently I've seen that because I think Harbaugh's contract actually might be up like at the end of the year or next year or something. Mm. So it's like I think they might have to do like a, at least something to make it seem like they want him to stay around just in case. Yeah, they want him to stay around, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> That seems like it's gotten really weird there. Let's uh, let's go Virginia Tech first. Um, it just seems the, the vibes continue to be a little bit downcast and weird uh, around. Um, they had a, a spirited half of football against Clemson, and then mm-hmm. things kind of got off the rails pretty quick against Clemson, as oh. they want to do. No, no, no shame in losing to Clemson. Like I'm not going to pile on Virginia Tech here. Um, ben they had a they had an interesting half, if not spirited, kind of by design. They basically just took the air out of the ball. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, that they're they're very they're into that. It would have been. I mean, they had, they had some explosive plays too. Like I watched a good. Yeah, they, they broke a couple half. off. That's true. Um, now this isn't. Again, we've said this multiple times this year, but this is not the Clemson defense of yore that was absolutely locking yeah. people up. That's that's kind of not the era we're in, as Logan and I mentioned last week. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I think Clemson did like an insane job uh, against Virginia Tech's running game, right? They did, yeah. So basically, in the first half, uh, Virginia they Tech were running. Virginia Tech was running. Well, so, Virginia Tech came in. Uh, Virginia Tech has like had one of the highest success rates in the country, and I think Virginia helped. I mean, I think Clemson held them like way below their. I forget the exact number, but they came in with basically like by the advanced metrics, the tenth best running attack in the country, um, and Clemson. Because they, they were it was something like five point six yards, like adjusted yards per carry or whatever. Um, Kirshner was tweeting about this. Alex Kirshner was, yeah. and Clemson's run defense basically took that down to like half a yard, which would be the worst in the FBS this year, like behind UMass. Is um, is that sack adjusted? I, I'm not sure. I, I I admittedly did not dive into it a lot. I just saw the stat while I was drifting off to That's sleep fair. and chuckled and fell asleep. Yeah. it's so, yeah, no, but you're, you're right. Jordan. the larger point is that this isn't the best Clemson defense we've ever seen. That has three defensive linemen that are going to yeah. be drafted in the top 17 picks in the draft or anything like Correct. that. Um, so, and they're uh, dinged up too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that like, all, that all said, I mean, it, things are trending, not in a great direction for Fuente. They, they seem like they've, they're, they're in the dark place where they kind of have lost a little bit of interest. This, this will be their first regular season with a record below 500 since the early 1990s, I believe. I believe that's correct. That's a pretty strong testament to their consistency. Got to hand it to them. Good for them. Um, yeah, so anyhow, I mean, the, I've, I've, we've seen some odd whisperings that they might be looking at Todd Grantham. I mean, I don't want to give that, I don't want to fan that flame too much because I don't know if that's like it. If that's a, his Logan name willed it into existence. Yeah, Logan his name will get way too excited about it. His name has come up in conjunction with that job before. So this isn't the first time. Um, I know Grantham wanted, I, all indications are he interviewed and, and wanted the Mississippi State job when Mullen um, came to Florida and it wasn't in the cards for granted to be the coach, but uh, he's a Bud Foster guy. He has coached at Virginia Tech before. I would say it makes it makes some sense if you want to do the that kind of dot connecting. Um, maybe it would be more of a return to Virginia Tech's ideals on that side of the football. And to, to be fair, uh, he didn't just coach at Virginia Tech. He is a Virginia Tech alum. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Virginia Tech alum. Um, so good for him. That he also was an All-American on the offensive line. 
Yeah. He runs. And uh, actually, do you know where he's from? Danville. No, he's from Pulaski, Virginia. Oh, oh wow, brother! I had no idea. I recognize that whiskey nose for sure. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, he... watching that clip of him drinking Bud Light limes <laughs> in the back of the minivan—that <laughs> he was a Pulaski boy. He was a Pulaski man. Uh, uh, also, yeah. So, I mean, for all these reasons, if you want to do that brand of, of dot connecting, it makes sense. Um, he runs a particular brand of frustrating defense that I, <laughs> I, I have a tough time getting. I, I get very upset in game. <laughs> I will say because it is very apparent what gets taken advantage of with his defenses, but he makes like I would argue championship level adjustments during games, and Florida's defenses always get better during the game, except for the Tennessee game when they gave up like a bunch of random trash fourth quarter yards yesterday which is just weird but it was cold that all said um i don't know that virginia tech should be like thrilled about this if if todd grantham is the bell of the ball then um you know odd i mean odd you ball. gotta you gotta wait till december 15th and pay 10 million dollars just to hire todd grantham i don't know december yeah. december 15th, december 15th is, is when the buyout right now the buyout is 12 and a half million and december 15th it goes down to 10 Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I said I wasn't going to talk about Virginia Tech. December 15th is only three days after you get the Commonwealth Cup back. So maybe (laughs) maybe they want to keep Fuente back after that happens. I don't know. That's a good point. Good point. Anyhow, uh, I don't know who else would be up or interested in the Virginia Tech job. Mike Houston, maybe. I'm not just kidding. Um, Waking the echoes. I mean, I don't know if that job has the kind of cachet at this point to. You freeze? He had a great audition in front of the Hokie Club this year. Uh, yeah. See, I don't. I don't think that Virginia Tech would hire Hugh Freeze. That's the only thing. I don't think they could pay probably what Hugh Freeze is going to end up getting from it. From Hugh Freeze, Texas football coach. I mean, like, let's get Hugh at Texas. That would just be hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do Do you guys have any thoughts on Virginia Tech uh, situation? Oh, we 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 beat this up because it we seems have. like. The- been slowly simmering and it is now boiling and it seems inevitable that that job will probably come open but i just i don't know enough about what where virginia tech thinks they figure in outside of the couple of virginia tech fans that i know that i would argue maybe have a slightly overvalued sense of where virginia tech uh fits into the national landscape that's crazy and so i would i I kind of agree with you but i think it's it's getting more realistic that might be true but they're not gonna hire made it a little more realistic yeah I'm saying they're not going to hire Luke Fickle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think oh, that sure. like they're going to go get him or a guy like that. They could maybe, maybe the guy from Louisiana, maybe Napier would be interested, but I don't know. Like so, Fickle, like he's, you know, you're not going to bring the Iowa state guy over. You're not, you're, 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 past, yeah. you're, you're past that, you know, and I don't think you're got enough money to pay that anyway. So the, the metaphor I think of is, uh, so back like, this is like 10 years ago at this point when the Orioles were just like thoroughly, present um the Bucks, and just the Bucks. actively playing baseball games and that's about it um there was a good article i forget if it was tom skoker or somebody else but was like it, it was long enough it was long enough ago that it was when mark Teixeira hit free agency uh, one of his times oh yeah big tech and yeah and so um <sighs> So basically the article was about how like Teixeira was coming on to free agency and it was probably the most sought after free agent in the league. And he's like 
from the Baltimore, Maryland area. Uh, and at no point was there any discussion of Mark Teixeira signing with the Orioles. Yeah. And that was basically because there were tiers of baseball teams. And it was like this tier up here gets this level of free agent, you know, this tier arena gets this level of concert and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, Virginia Tech, as much as they'd like it to be different, is not the tier that is going to be like, there's never, there was never any, you know, whispers of Virginia Tech is talking to Urban Meyer. Like that is, that's just well, not a thing that could happen. message board you read. Well, sure. Um, we He's can analyze. We can analyze Zoom backgrounds all we want, but Virginia Tech was never talking to Urban Meyer, and so like, so yeah, it becomes like, okay, where does that top tier cut off, and where does that second tier, which Virginia Tech is probably a part of, begin? And yeah, I'd say it's right around Todd Grantham. <laughs> so sure, or or like Sunbelt on the rise, coach. That you sure. know, and then if you're Virginia Tech, you're probably getting into the phase of your career as a football program in which you are an upper level stepping stone program that people probably aren't going to be staying at for, I mean, I don't, Frank Beamer's not walking through that door. Like, I don't think you're getting 25 year Frank Beamer ever. I don't think that guy exists anymore in, anywhere. No, I think it, Frank Beamer would tell you that what he did to build Virginia tech in the early nineties yeah, would not happen right now. Well, yeah, couldn't right. Do it. And Frank Beamer interviewed for the UNC job early in his Virginia tech career. Uh, the year before Frank Beamer took the Virginia tech job, he interviewed for the James Madison job. So, wow. And something. Yeah. What could have happened? Frank Beamer field at JJ Shoker stadium would have been something else. <laughs> Am I right? The Jordan Shank Sports Complex off of Interstate. <laughs> I just wanna I just wanna emphasize that I know why you said JJ Shoker. And <laughs> <laughs> what, what why did I say that? That's a that's a very valley name, right? Isn't he wasn't that the You field? said it because you knew the name Shoker and the closest full uh, name you JJ. knew to that was JJ Loker. <laughs> <laughs> Zane Shoker. Sorry, yes, Zane Shoker. Right, we're back. We're back. I got it. I had to I had to cycle through my uh my elite Mennonite uh, white guy named Zane. <laughs> You're just elite Valley District names. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So VPI, uh, I'm interested. I'm just, I'm really interested to see what they do. I obviously have a vested interest because, um, you know, they have to play Virginia every year and I base like an irrational amount of my self-worth on whether Virginia can beat them in sports. And um, <laughs> also I think Virginia got this one right. And seems like they have a coach that has bought in for, a while until we get crushed and he leaves for Michigan or something like that. But I don't, I think I don't really... he's going to retire here, but that's another conversation. We'll see. We'll see how much of his staff gets pillaged. I mean, there. it's, it's pretty clear that he values a well-run organization and he has one right now and he might not be willing to trade that for an unknown. So exactly. A lot of cooks in the kitchen. All right. Uh, real quickly. I think Tennessee is bubbling. Things have not gone well at uh, Tennessee. They've gotten worse. Um, they have had a, a extreme amount of attrition in that program. And, um, I mean, their quarterback situation, like does not even come close to moving the needle right now. I mean, it's bad. Did you see that child that started a quarterback for them yesterday? Harrison Which, Bailey? We'll, we'll get to that, but co- coaching wise, Logan, how would you feel about Florida defensive coordinator, Jeremy Pruitt? Uh, I, I, Jeremy Pruitt is not my kind of guy either. Okay. <laughs> um, Logan's no. got a very specific type of guy. I respect that. I think he's a good recruiter. I know, like, I have some friends who are Florida State fans that, like, 
said they would have liked Florida State to look at him when they hired Willie Taggart. Um, I think he's a football coach, but I, I think he's got some baggage, shall we say? I okay. think he might he might uh, dabble with the co-eds a bit, and uh, I don't know that that's the kind of guy that I necessarily want to have uh, relying on for game planning purposes. That all said, uh, you know, he's he's had some success running some defenses a few times. Um, but, uh, this is all alleged and reported, um, but it is kind of what it is. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I need as Florida defensive coordinator. I would take it. I mean, I guess I would, I mean, I would take it. I just don't, he strikes me as a like, kind of a Will Muschamp type that would probably want a, to, a shot to be a head coach again. So it, it would seem to be a rental. And I think that Mullen's done a pretty good job of keeping his staff together for the most part. And I think mm-hmm. Florida has had success because of that, which is why I'm, you know, it's just why sometimes I have to like talk myself into the Grantham thing because gotcha. it's like Florida's defense is okay nominally. So anyhow, yeah. um, Tennessee. Well, and I mean, Mountain getting Park. back to the the Virginia Tech and the tears discussion, like if Texas and Michigan and Tennessee and maybe even USC West come open this year, that's four jobs that are clearly in a tier a, not, a notch Virginia above tech yeah so it i mean i i think in this era you're really never just with the increased amount of turnover every year and the quick trigger finger that people have on moving on to the next coach you're you're not ever going to run into a situation where it's like okay we we really dodged some bullets this year and we're going to mm-hmm. be one of the like one of the most attractive jobs if you're Virginia Tech. I think Correct. you just gotta like you gotta make calls when the calls need to happen and not not think like, well, if we wait till next year, you know, now Texas will have a new coach, Michigan will have a new coach, and we won't be competing with them. But you might be competing with three or four other schools that are still in a tier above you. You might be competing with Oklahoma because Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL. You might be competing with, you know, well, I, yeah, I don't even like those jobs. To me, I wouldn't say those are direct competition, but I would be more worried about a job like South Carolina or a job like Kentucky comes open. Right, or but a, they you also know, impact like assistant pools that are available yes, to be yeah, hired that's true. from. That's um, true. So. All right. Well, um, Tennessee boiling interest there. We did have the ominous Phil Fulmer sitting alone in the luxury box shot <laughs> during the game, during like the fourth quarter of like a very boring game with florida of which they really had no chance um yeah not not a great not a great look there so let's uh the last one on the list i had is we oh michigan um we touched on it a bit i mean things have not gone well there it appears that that uh jim harbaugh has done the thing that he does and worn out his welcome and things are not going well they don't appear to have a quarterback really figured out jason and i were fools earlier in the season and Minnesota also sucks. Side note, so just want to get that out but there. But you too. did get that one game right, so this is this is right. You. Uh, we were we were all over it, but I don't know. I don't even. I think Matt Campbell is really the only guy that makes sense, or Luke Fickle. But I don't know that Luke Fickle would do that. I think he's a Buckeye uh, guy, enough of a Buckeye guy that he would seems do it. to be. So, but yeah, I mean, if you can get Matt Campbell, maybe that's maybe that's the play if you're Michigan. But Matt Campbell has some NFL coach potential to him as well. I would, I would guess. Yeah, 
I mean, I like I'm so apathetic towards that Michigan job. Like, For real, I don't really it's care weird. who gets it because uh-huh. Ohio State's been running the the B1G pretty much ever since Harbaugh took the job. So yeah. and even before that, so I like I don't know that there's anybody out there who, if you hire them, you really swing the balance of power at all. Like it's gonna right. take take some foundation laying and revamping, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm not really expending much energy paying attention to what happens there. It'll, it'll be entertaining, but I'm not, it's a premier premier job. It just, it seems like one of those, just seems like one of those jobs kind of like Texas that has like too many things stapled to it, um, to really let a guy like who would be a really good fit come in there and probably do the best possible job. You know, you have to be like a good football coach and. And like a Michigan a, man, and, and a guy that is willing to be a Michigan man and commit his life to the Michigan man lifestyle, which you know I don't think all these football coaches necessarily want to do that, and that's fair. Uh, all right, Jordan. Uh, never mind, not Jordan. Let's get to some games real quick uh, before we get to the picks. Another uh, backsliding week for the picking squad. Um, just at least for me, I think. Uh, Bama LSU happened. Did you guys take this one in? Nope. Not even a little bit. I saw some highlights of some ridiculous plays, and that's about it. It would appear Devonta Smith is really good. Um, I saw a stat I, line of his in a screen grab, and it was absurd. Uh, yeah. So I look forward to watching those highlights. I did kill see F- they, they, they like cut into, I think, the, the Virginia Tech-Clemson game to bring notice that Mac Jones had completed, at one point, like 13 consecutive passes, and three of them were just bombs for tugs. Like... Yeah, got me a little little concerned. I'm having some some back end concerns here, uh, but that's it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. I I, th- I someone pointed this out. So Mac Mac Jones and Kyle Trask are the you know one and one A one A and one whatever you want to call it um, for the Heisman right now. And uh, some guy pointed out that like these guys are leading for the Heisman, both having really good seasons by all accounts, you know, obviously statistically and otherwise. Um, and both of them are clearly not the best player on their own team. Um, like <laughs> Kyle Pitts is so much the best player on Florida and Devonta Smith is so much the best player on Alabama and it's crazy. And um, yeah. So anyhow, it just, it, it, the, the Heisman is a very silly award, uh, yeah. which I think we've been on that for a while. I would Trevor love Lawrence, not the best football player on his team. It's true. Yeah, that's probably true. It's uh, Venable's kid, right? Hard nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you can get a, a white linebacker named Jake Venables to New York for it. the Heisman presentation. Speaking of Jake's, old Jake Bentley out there in Utah just doing it. I mean, who remember that guy? Like, he was the savior of South Carolina football under yeah, Will Muschamp. I was going to he say, he's got he sacrificed s- him. USC East yeah. All right. Uh, Bama LSU happened. So, yeah, Alabama won big in case it wasn't clear from the way we were talking did about this. I think they did. I believe they, they did. They won by like 38. I think the spread was 29 and a half. Yeah. I think they won 48 to 10, right? Sheesh. LSU has definitely quit on the season, too. Like, things. Coach O, did you see Coach O went ballistic on the sideline, too, after like. They gave up another bomb. I mean, yeah. It makes last year even so much more impressive. 
Yes, yes. Alabama is just very frightening right now. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. They're a monster. Okay. Oh, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ohio State uh, played Michigan State. We weren't sure if maybe Michigan State was going to be able to do that thing in which they mess up other people's seasons but never have a good season of their own. They, uh, they were not They were not able to do that. Ohio State weathered some COVID concerns and uh, lack of, of depth on the offensive line and some other position groups. I think they were missing five starters, but they looked fine. Michigan State was very overmatched in this game. Not mm-hmm. much to talk about. Uh, Oklahoma State played TCU. I watched not any of this. I saw some wild highlights from this game. It looked like we had some bombs. It looked like we had some helicoptering quarterbacks that were like trying to hurdle piles, which is always a good time. <laughs> Love to see the limbs flailing. Um, I think I saw like the last three minutes of this. Who won? Um, TCU won 29-22. Jason, the Horn Frogs are back. I'm saying. And uh, yeah, I, from from what I saw, I think I saw the last touchdown, which was this uh, 71-yard play. And the parts that I saw were just Max Dugan just running for his life and doing hilarious things. And yes. frankly, 10 out of 10, would watch again, was outstanding. Sign me up. That's all I want in life. So, anyways, that's all, that's all the insight I have on this game. It seems Virginia, like Virginia it seems like underscored chaos, and I'm about it. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was seemed to look more of a return to normal for a, a Oklahoma yeah. State. Oklahoma State has been playing like an off-brand version of Oklahoma State football this year. <laughs> really muted. Like, yeah, yeah, they do a lot better when it's like freaking cowbells and like things, just like bombs and. Yeah, like, they, they've had a governor switch on them for a while this year. I don't know why exactly, but... Um, I think it's because their quarterback sucks. And their defense was, like, quasi-good, so I think they were trying they to... Back. Yeah, they were trying to do... A little... Chuba's been hurt, too, I think. Right. So, I um, I will never forget that time where uh, Mr. Coach Guy from Oklahoma State... Uh, God, why is his name eluding me? Mike Gundy looked into the camera like they were about to play Pitt, the Matt Canada Pitt team, and uh, was like, "Man, I just really love what Pitt does on offense. Like, if we didn't do what we did, we we would probably do something very similar to them." It was like the most under <laughs> unnecessary shot. Like, like if we didn't have this awesome offense, racked up six hundred yards through the air every. Listen, week. if my players sucked, I'd probably patch things together the same way they did. <laughs> So they just create so much leverage. It's really impressive what they're able to do. Like, okay, Mike. Bless their get heart. In, get in the locker room, Mike. Quit, quit running your mouth. Yeah. But, bless their heart. All right, West Virginia played Iowa State. Iowa State locked up a chance at the um, Big 12 championship. Uh, a spot in the game, at least. They'll probably play Oklahoma, I'm guessing. I would assume. All right. Go Cyclones. They're 7-2, and two, or they might even be 8-2. and two. Who's to say? Yeah. All right, take us to the picks, Jordan. They are Do in it. fact eight and two. Eight and two confirmed for those Cyclones. Those the big old matchup against the Sooners in two weeks. Oh, for the Dr Pepper Big Twelve Championship game. I'm assuming it's Dr Pepper. Every other game is. Yeah, that would make sense. And it's being played in Fanville. I would also assume. Obviously, and, otherwise, what's the point? Do you think uh, COVID exists in Fanville? That might. You can't. I don't oh, know. That's too I, deep of a question. I mean, that's that's alleging that it exists in America, There's which I haven't seen spirit. any. I haven't seen any real proof that it has, Jordan. Yeah, you're you're right. There's too much school spirit. That's the antidote. Is school spirit? We just don't have enough of it. 
Uh, okay, I'm stalling because our picks sucked this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of agreement. A lot of agreement, and it didn't go well, and I was like, oh, no. But it no. should have. Like, we, we were looking great. Todd and... Grantham did this to us. Todd Grantham yeah, did this Todd. to us. That's true. Yeah. Damn it, Todd. Yeah, Todd. Um, all right, first game of the day, we had A&M at Auburn. Uh, A&M covered here. I, I mean, I was impressed with the way A&M played. Their run game is is stout. They've got some big boys up. They run the ball really well. Um, Kellen Mond was better, much better than last week. Yeah. Uh, he, he made throws to convert where conversions were needed. He Scrambled got a couple times yeah. from time to time. Um, and Auburn just didn't look that good at points either. So uh, I think like the I think the final score, the announcers made a point that it felt like AM dominated a little bit more than the final yeah. score showed. And I would agree with that. Um, but I I don't know that the brand of offense, kind of like we talked about, that AM plays is necessarily conducive to elite success. Um, you can beat a mediocre Auburn team with it, and you can beat a lot of other teams with mm-hmm. it, but I don't know that it like, gets you over the hump that they want to get over. So uh, this is the first time I saw extended A&M action this year, uh, and that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I watched I – watched- Almost this entire game, actually, because was, this was a noon game. And, yeah, it uh, – I mean, I thought Auburn looked looked pretty good in those middle two quarters. Like, they had, like, four or five really good drives. They were moving the ball well. Bo Nix was not airmailing, like, seven-yard out routes. Um, so, I, I thought they looked – I thought they – like, Auburn – I was – Middle of the third quarter, I was feeling really confident about Auburn. It felt like they had all the momentum. They were playing really well. And then they just disappeared. And um, Texas A&M won the fourth quarter 17 nothing, And, yeah, just just ran over Auburn in the fourth quarter. Um, and, yeah, like you said, they, they, they were picking up like four or five, six-yard chunks on the ground because they have a really good offensive line. And um, the backs run hard. They, they, I mean, like, they yeah. were – they were hitting. Is. They were hitting really hard the line of scrimmage, and um, and Kellen Mond made made some good throws and made a couple of scrambles when he needed to. And and yeah, it it, it doesn't. I didn't think Texas A&M was a, as dominant as as the announcers said, but it, it it did like after the first drive of the fourth quarter when Texas A&M went back on top. I mean, I, I think Auburn basically just gave the ball right back immediately, and it never really felt like they were in the game after that. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, I know Malzahn mentioned this in the post game, but Auburn really should have intercepted a pass that ended up being a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's true. It literally bounced um, through his hands. And yeah, that was, you know, certainly contributes to a 17 to nothing win. It's not like it was going to be a pick six, you know, plenty of things happen that should have been a turnover. And there was actually a pass that Mon threw when AM was trying to run their little four minute drill, like burn offense right at the end that went right through a, like def- a linebacker's hands like it yeah. that and that would have been a pick six and they were only up what eight or six or uh, i don't know anyhow that all said i don't this isn't a, this isn't a like indictment on killing mond uh in totality but they got a little bit lucky and frankly yeah. the fact that they let that auburn team kind of hang around within a score like that is 
it's just interesting. Like I, I'm, I the, the Texas A&M team that beat Florida looked really good, and their offense at least looked really good. And maybe their offense was a little more aggressive because Florida was scoring points too, and they didn't have to play a 24 point game to win. They and needed maybe, a maybe Florida's defense is a little more conducive to oh 100 percent yes <laughs> at that point yes and they ran the ball down florida's throat in that game and it was and it was fine they scored 41 points um and they win the game by three but it's like i i'm interested in why we haven't really seen that kind of texas a&m that like seemed to be uh like aggressive because i think bond is good enough to do that and their yeah. running back certainly good enough to do that and like you can still be aggressive and try to score points and have like a dominating running game you know but i don't know auburn usually has a good defense to be to be fair especially in the middle of the defensive line um so maybe they were able to clog it up a little bit but just like a, i guess a little bit interesting that texas a&m has kind of tailed off a bit but everybody i guess to a yeah. degree i mean they're ranked to number five in the country right now and i it doesn't they don't look like the number five team in the country yeah, I think I think they they peaked earlier in the year, and yeah. they're like they're hanging on. They're beating teams sure. they're supposed to beat, but right. it's not a team I would be excited about getting into the playoff. Yes. All right. Uh, we go to the three thirty mega slot. Uh, we'll well let's get Indiana Wisconsin out of the way first before we talk uh. about the home teams. Um, Indiana, great showing by the Hoosiers holding Wisconsin to six points. Um, the the defense is legit, more legit than certainly I anticipated they would be. I'll, I didn't watch a lick of this game. Um, neither. Refused to. Um, I saw the score and I was like, I'm not watching this. I will not watch that. Yeah. So I don't have anything constructive to add other than given given what I read on the Twitter uh, and heard on Sports Center, Indians got a good defense, so good for them. Um, they're they still a one loss team, I guess at this point. Six and um, one. Yeah, and it helps. What it having a great defense helps when you know you don't have Michael Penix Jr. out there anymore. <laughs> so if you yeah, have the opponent to six, your backup has an easier time of getting a win. Got to be disappointing for Wisconsin. Um, oh, yeah. I think they had their sights set a little higher this year, especially the way they started their first few weeks. Um, it seems like maybe the quarterback, the freshman quarterback, is maybe playing a little bit more like a freshman quarterback. Indiana also, I think, is good. Northwestern has a good defense, too, so it's not embarrassing to lose to those teams. But to only score six points isn't great. Um, to lose a game in which you only give up, what, 14 points, not great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just uh, that's that's tough. For them, cool scene after the game. Uh, I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys saw the, the highlights, but uh, Tom Allen was giving his little post-game six-foot-away interview, and like he was, he like couldn't do his interview because the players kept like coming up and like hugging yeah. him and like screaming into the microphone and stuff, like hyping him up. And it, it was just cool. It was like a good wholesome moment. Yeah, um, that was like very refreshing and nice to see. That guy, a hundred percent, seems like the kind of guy that would have you ready to run through a brick wall for. Mm-hmm. I mean. He, he, that seems like his brand of coaching. And that's cool that they're having success and doing a good job. I would be interested if he would entertain a different job. That was what I was going to ask, because he almost seems like a guy who would just ride it out with Indiana. I don't know right. how old he is 
or what his background is, but Rexburg could do a lot worse. Is all I'm saying. He doesn't appear to be terribly old, but he might like be 56, and like I don't know if that makes you old or not. If you're a head, he coach. is 50 years old. Oh, dang! Wow, he's got plenty of juice left in those legs. Yeah, yeah. the big those B1G winters really are weathering his face. And it has been consistent growth. I mean, so he took over in 16, lost the Foster Farms Bowl. They went five and seven, five and seven the next two years. Um, and then that was that was his only game in 16. So his first two full years, they went five and seven, eight and five last year, and now they're six and one this year. So seems like he knows what he's doing, and his players clearly love him. So he's yeah. making j- just right about what Justin Fuente is making. That's kind of is crazy. he really? Yeah. Jeez. He's making three nine and Fuente is apparently making four. Is that B1G money? Goodness. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Michigan and Ohio State <laughs> for those eyeballs. Uh all right. Let's yeah, so we'll maybe put a pin in the Tom Allen experience. Yeah. Maybe maybe put some money on him as a dark horse candidate for one of these jobs. You heard it here first. Right. Now it, I would also like to put color. a pin. I'd also like to put a pin in, hopefully, dear God, one of these Clemson assistants will get out of there, too. That would just be nice. Tony Elliott, please. Cool. Leave. Oh, just for a little turnover. Just for a little turnover. Venables, get him out of there. We No, we need we need to destroy the offense. The defense, I'm not worried about. That's already been <laughs> chipped away at. Uh, it's the the one, because uh, the, they had co-coordinators on offense for those. Right. Like, that uh-huh. huge run. And one of them took a job last year. Yeah. Yes. And Tony Elliott, I think, is the one who's still entrenched. And right. he needs to be I, – I, Jesus, I've seen what you've done for other people. Please do it for Tony Elliott. That's, right. That's my prayer. Let's get uh, Tony Elliott at uh, South Alabama. Sounds good. That's or it. even like – even Michigan, maybe. Maybe they won't. <laughs> it's Michigan. <laughs> he seems, Tony Elliott, he's a wholesome Christian, I'm assuming, if he's on Davos staff, Michigan man. Right, that that should be an easy transition. All right, uh, enough Michigan talk for three weeks. Um, yes, let's let's go to Knoxville, where the Gators traveled to take on Tennessee. Guys, this one hurt. We we were looking oh, good for the cover. You're looking flipped, really good. I flipped my attention away from it uh, to do what I can't remember. Um, Florida was up eighteen. Right, they were up eighteen, and the spread was seventeen and a half. Yeah, spread was seventeen and a half. Yeah. Okay, so we were we we thought it looked good. I mean, it looked as good as it could look. I think they were up thirty-one to thirteen, because they ended up winning thirty-one to nineteen. That's correct. They were up, in fact, thirty-one to seven with like six minutes left. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not a great quarter for the boys. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. So that's on you, Todd. It didn't matter. It was cold, and Tennessee was moving the ball. But um. I, I would also like to put in a gripe here. I took the over on this matchup on my little side project, and uh, boy, did that not materialize. I was counting on the volatile Mr. Guarantano being under center again, and when they rolled little Mr. Boy Scout out there, to start i knew i was done young harrison harrison bailey um yeah not not a great 
like look at the future of the quarterback position for Tennessee. I don't know that you came away from this game really thrilled uh, by the direction of that position. Um, Harrison has little kid hair. Like I don't know if I've ever seen someone who has more. He's not a leader of men. He doesn't, he doesn't really appear to be a leader. Um, interesting. They played the backup guy too. They did not put Garantano in at all. I, I don't know if yeah. they're like completely done with that guy. Like, yeah, you know what, Jared, why don't you just go ahead and sit it down? Why don't you but, go uh, transfer to South Alabama? It was Gar- Garantano was you know coaching up Harrison on the sideline. But yeah, that was Tennessee's move, and it became pretty clear early on that Tennessee was going to run the football uh, first and foremost, and then. Uh, occasionally they were going to attempt to throw the football to the sideline and, you know, the line drive, the Traveris uh, Jackson line drive short hop was, was live and well for young Harrison. But um, I don't know. This was a boring game. Florida looked a little bit disinterested. They left a lot of points on the field. I think in the first half, um, they, their scoring drives were like classic Florida scoring drives. I think they had one drive. that was like five plays. They never saw a third down. Um, well, it's only five plays. Of course it's not, but you know, like they, they, it was five or six plays. They, there was Jones. one drive. They never even saw a second down. Um, they just went right down the field and scored quickly, but, uh, chunk plays, uh, Pitts looked really good. Mm-hmm. They force him the ball a little bit, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, but also it's kind of a game where you could do that. Uh, Tennessee wasn't very like dynamic on defense. Um, I thought they had a pretty decent plan though for Florida. They, they did some interesting things in the defensive backfield that got pointed out. Um, they kind of like, I think bait Florida into, you know, sometimes you have the perfect defense called, right. And, and you, and you gotta, you gotta punt and, you know, that's a credit to Pruitt and the staff getting ready to go there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is, was a, another game that like Florida won by 12 and it, it felt like it was not close really from the point that Florida went up by 10. Um, and then, you know, like you're saying, Jason, they're up 34 seven for a while and it was just kind of like salted away. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts. Um, Trask with a ho hum, 430 <laughs> yards, and four touchdowns. I mean, the dude has 38 touchdowns on the year. I mean, he's having, he's literally having a better year than Joe Burrow had last year in every, every category, which is crazy. But the media won't talk about it. I I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I just like that the, the way the Heisman trophy is covered is very interesting. Cause like, I, I don't want to be the guy who's like, the media is not talking about it Yeah. Um, because the media is very clearly talking about Kyle Trask. Like he's right. very good. He's gets plenty of coverage, but like, Mac Jones is like 13 touchdowns behind or 10 touchdowns behind. And like, it's like, Oh, well, you know, Mac Jones probably took the lead because, because uh, he had a good game against a really bad LSU team. It's like, I mean, okay. I mean, I'm just saying it's weird. Like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what to make of these, these odds swings based on like who played later in the day. Um, but that's how it goes. That's, this is why I think can make yeah. money. Off. Well, and like the, I mean, I think to be fair, well, I don't know if it's fair or not, but there's there's an angle that like last year's LSU story was so exciting because it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere, given the way the year before had gone. And they've got this hot young prospect of a co-offensive coordinator in the booth who's just like a wonder kid. And he's dialing all this stuff up for a transfer from Ohio State and like. LSU's back and we love when Death Valley's rocking at night and there's just like so much else going on this year that an awesome season for Kyle Trask in historic season even um, isn't necessarily top of mind top of radar 
So, um, yeah, I can see that. That's that's kind of the way it goes. But yeah, I thought like the Florida looked great. Obviously, I really like the way they like their offense. Always seems to have something developing over the middle route wise as mm-hmm. like as the the timer in the quarterback's head is going off. So a lot of the times it looked like Trask was checking the outside first and then it's like, okay, I got to get it loose and there's always going to be a guy flashing yeah. across the middle who I can get it to. Like Tony's going to be there. Or, yeah. yeah, like the the way they use Tony across the middle I think is awesome. So, um, yeah, I hope the run continues for him because I, I want to watch that offense more. Um, the, um, that, do you see that little goal line play they ran with Tony in motion? That was that was like a a perfect utilization of Darius Tony. They they were in a power eye heavy set, and they bring Tony's the only receiver on the field. They bring him in motion, and he goes like back forth, back forth real quick, and like uh, before the snap. And basically, the linebacker that was tracking him just like couldn't keep up with the motion. Oh, yeah, just like yeah, lost him, and he was running. It, it was it could not have been an easier touchdown pass. It's like man, that was a great pre snap motion play design that just like guaranteed a touchdown, right? Um, Florida's got a lot of really cool goal line pass plays. Actually, they they do like play like that. They, they have the other play that they scored on that Grimes scored on was like that little wham that they run that he it's like a little screen, but basically he just like catches the ball and just do, splits the other two receivers that are like trying to block and just has to fall yeah. forward. So they love to do that. They'll, they'll, they'll do a similar play where they bring Grimes in motion and they get him like catching the ball running towards like the line of scrimmage and then just like he can just dive in it's nice they, they do a lot of it's interesting... almost like some some kind of arena concepts of like get yeah. getting your guys moving up to full speed without yeah without moving them forward because that's a penalty but right. like and doing, doing your darndest to bend that line push that envelope which is super smart yeah, they um. It was clear that Tennessee had put the refs on to the Florida wheel route pick play mm-hmm. before the game because the w- Florida scored a touchdown on their first drive. That actually, that one I was a blatant one. You, I didn't think it was that blatant compared to other ones I've seen this year. Well, they got they got called the one that got called back. Is that the one yeah. you're talking about? You thought, that, you thought that was blatant? Yeah, because the receiver, okay. like right. as he came across, he. <laughs> He slid sideways and like put up the basketball pick arms. I mean, I saw that. I saw the hands come up. One could make the argument like, "What are you supposed to do? Just get steamrolled?" Not. I mean, put if your you just like up. if you, but he wasn't. If it, to use a baseball term, he wasn't continuing down the baseline. He was Understood. like, <laughs> he was going out of his way to right. make I mean, contact. It, it is clear that that play is designed to create the natural pick there. Yeah. Uh, they scrubbed him. I just know I've seen Florida run that. They ran that play against Georgia 50 times, and they it, they were way worse against Georgia. The picks sure. were extremely worse. Um, so maybe the, maybe the SEC refs were they, gonna. They probably the office the officiating <laughs> office probably got some film submitted from the the uh, cocktail party. Yeah, it, but like I said, overall this was a boring game. I mean, Florida did what they needed to do to wrap up the East. Good for them. Um, you get your shot at Alabama. I think Florida gets to play LSU this weekend. Which will be interesting, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say. Florida has not been able to run the ball the past few weeks very well at all. Um, they don't really commit to it. I don't really think there's any point in committing to something that you suck at. So I don't really see it as 
that big of a problem. A lot of people like to be like, oh man, Florida, you know, they only had like 11 true called run plays for seven yards. Like, well, that's not good. Like, I'm not going to disagree with you, but the offense scored 30 plus and you were comfortably ahead and you did all the things you needed to do and didn't really turn it over. So anyhow, that all said, go Gators. Well, we're, we're on to, we're on to LSU. Smart. All right. Uh, the one consensus game that we all got right this weekend, oh, Boston College at Virginia, uh, a high-scoring affair in Charlottesville yesterday. Uh, I was I was impressed. This this had my full attention, mostly full attention in the three thirty slot. Um, had to had to like go back to the college days of getting the bootleg stream from Reddit. Uh, (laughs) because it was on for like the first time in forever not on the acc network um it got the regional sports network treatment this weekend which in harrisonburg is massin uh home home of the orioles and the nationals and which famously does not stream online you need to be a red-blooded cable subscribing patriot to watch those channels. Uh, I am not one of those. And my brother's Fios login also didn't let me stream it over the internet. So I had to go to the dark web to find it. But I did find it. And uh, yeah, like I was really impressed with some of the offensive stuff UVA pulled out of the hat i thought yes. armstrong looked again better more confident more competent uh he did have one interception that i'm like i'm hard pressed to put that squarely on him because he he it was one of those like he's trying to get rid of the ball as he's getting blown up and his arm got hit so he didn't yeah. he couldn't follow through all the way um still not maybe the best decision maybe just get rid of it or eat the sack at that point but uh you know he's being aggressive trying to make a play uh they used keaton thompson creatively again as well and that guy gets he gets moving he's a big dude he's a long strider a very long strider yeah he he got bust through the middle and like takes off and i mean it doesn't really look like you really want to like step in front of that either i mean that that kind of bus gets rolling a little bit there is he still listed a quarterback uh I think Bronco said in a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago in one of the post game pressers, if if they could redo the depth chart, they would list him as football player okay. and not in a specific position, which is just an all time football guy thing to say. Yeah. Um, but That's, I th- he, I think he's listed at wide receiver. Okay. Um, still rocking ninety nine. Still rocking ninety nine. Um, <laughs> I so yeah I'm like I'm very intrigued to see how how much of the weird Keaton Thompson stuff gets pulled out of the bag next week against Virginia Tech um versus how much of it is just like we have all this craziness on film that you have to be prepared for but we're not necessarily going to do it um I the, the UVA defense very concerning on it like they have not looked good. Um, they forced some turnovers in this game, which was encouraging, but they... they certainly- yeah, so Boston College is trotting out a backup QB out there. And just throwing bombs. I mean, there were a couple... 520 yards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he threw, like, three picks, right? Yeah, he did. Huh? Which, I mean, like... 
volatility, Jordan. We're all maybe, about volatility. Maybe you get lucky there that you know he didn't just throw one pick and Boston College beats you. But uh, like watching watching the Virginia Tech games, the first half, like if Burmeister, I I don't understand why it wasn't clear to me why Burmeister got taken out if he got hurt or what was going on there. Um, but he was spinning the pill in the first half. And uh, if he gets the opportunity to do that this coming Saturday, then Virginia Tech will score a thousand points. Um, True. So I very much look forward to being disappointed by that. Uh, but yeah, good win for the Hoos. They, like I said earlier, beat, they vanquished the Eagles for the first time in program <laughs> history. And uh, yeah, closed out. They, I saw, again, shout out to Bennett Conlon. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall has led the Hoos to a 17 and two home record over the last three years, which is insane. That's crazy. To think yeah. About. Damn. So look at that. Look What's at Justin? Fu- What's Justin Fuente's been? <laughs> Had to do it. All right. Let's move on to our last game of the evening. No, I, I actually real quick before we do, I did watch the UVA game. I was impressed. Like I like their offense seems a little bit more, uh, the, the intentional. Yes. Yes. There's more identity or more purpose. Like they seem like they have more of a plan with what they want to do. They run the ball well and stuff. I have some concerns over just the battering Ram nature of which the quarterback gets treated in this offense at all times. That is clearly a function of what Bronco Mendenhall wants that team to do and what he wants the identity of his quarterback to be. So like, I, there's nothing I can really do about it at this point. But the guy has been hurt this year. We watched – I mean, we we lauded the quarterback last year for just basically being held together with duct tape through the, like, you know, the back half of the season and just playing his ass off, which was great. But, you know, these, these guys got to – you know, someone's going to get hurt and you're going to end up in a situation where number old number pop belly 36 is going to come out there flinging that thing. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a step down uh, when that happens. But uh, – so, I mean, I just say it makes me uneasy sometimes to see the oh, yeah. plays, like the three-yard gain with which the quarterback just gets tackled by seven guys. You're like, wow, that was the play. Like, that was yeah, – we couldn't we have, like, have gotten that like, with a running back, like, of which yeah, we have Talapapa, four. Like maybe maybe Talapapa couldn't have, like, run for four yards and gotten blown up by seven guys. Like, not to sacrifice his brain either. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I Virginia's, like – They've arrived at like fun, watchable team too, which is great. Like they're, yeah. um, I mean, I think I recall back in the, in the nascent days of this podcast saying uh, that's really kind of what I wanted out of Virginia. Like if we're going to be bad, we might as well be fun, you know? So like, let's yeah. go down. Swing let's it. be spicy and, uh, bad. Well, that's what I think. Like, I mean, they won this game. It was what? 42, 32 or something like that. It was a, it was kind of a, a bit of a shootout. Those are, yeah. those are fun games to be in. You're not losing 21 to 16 to Boston College. Right. That's no one wants that. Well, I think it's also been encouraging to see the progress that the team has made, the offense especially over the course mm-hmm. of the year because things were not yeah. looking very good at the start. Um so right. really good to see that all that, you know, the cliché commitment and hard work and everything is, has paid off in space. Yeah, what are they? They're up 500 now or are they one game over? I think they're 500. 5 and 4. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, good for them. I think they were. What were they? Two and four at one point. Uh, one and four. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Final game of the night, and perhaps the game of the year. We had BYU at Coastal Carolina. 
uh jason we we really went there so let let's hear what you got for this one uh i mean pretty much what college football twitter decided this was either the best game of the year the second best game of the year behind notre dame clemson um just super fun especially down the stretch um which is weird because they were only 13 points 12 points in the second half um that things got that fun but um yeah, just general general chaos in both directions, which uh, is wonderful. Um, I don't really understand how Coastal Carolina did it, considering how outmassed they are on both lines. Um, Crazy. But yeah. it was impressive and um, super fun final play. I, I didn't love BYU's play calling in the fourth quarter. Um, it seems um, like, you know, you have Zach Wilson under center. You have – a guy who's probably one of the five best throwers in the country. Like there were multiple drives where they'd run it twice and be facing third and nine and not be able to convert when they're, they were losing. And I, I felt that was weird. I didn't love it. Um, but the last drive almost made up for it and everything else was super fun. So yeah, great viewing experience would watch again. Yeah. I, I was really kind of pleasantly surprised at how like, emotionally invested I got in yeah. in the outcome. Like I was pulling for BYU. Um even when I knew they weren't gonna cover. Um nothing against Coastal or the fine people of Myrtle Beach. But I think like maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit against that. Well, yeah. D- depending on your personal history with Myrtle Beach, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but uh yeah, it was just like it was really fun. I think Again, Jason, like you said, really impressive what Coastal's defense especially was able to do. Um, 94 on the Coastal Carolina defensive line. He was the guy that uh, I believe started the ruckus before halftime. Who started, yes, started the the cattywampus activities. Indeed. Uh, He was also a monster. Yeah, he he played incredibly. Everywhere. That yeah, if you could like just kind of erase that little brouhaha right yeah. at halftime, he comes out of that looking like which, an absolute stud. Which was fine until the exact moment it wasn't, because like say what you want, but every single defensive coordinator tells their defensive line You gotta find the quarterback when and there's a pick, yeah. put yeah. find the QB, plant him. Like that's it. Yeah. Now the like, second and third the plants ground, were too but, much. Yeah. But when you like when you start suplexing the guy yeah, already the, on the ground. Yeah. Like, too much. Too much. Too much. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch this like unfold all the way through, uh, but I, I obviously oh, tracked you it. Oh, you the Cracker Barrel for this. I, I, uh, I watched it uh, today, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a uh, it was a fun game given like relative lack of like scoring in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am very fascinated. You know, I like to like to dabble in the X's and O's world. I am fascinated by Coastal's offense. Like, I think their offense is really interesting. Like, they do a whole lot of like really cool triple option concepts out of like the pistol and like give you a lot to look at and worry about in the yeah. backfield. So I it, think with like a team running downhill, it's like they run that option and it seems like like teams run the speed option and like it gets strung out. It seems like they run a speed option and get seven yards anytime they want it. And it was. I mean, that's just really impressive. Like, it's blocked well and it's schemed well, but... Yeah, they they were 
the the announcers kept referring to it as like it looks like the triple option but it's not right and i think chadwell has tried to clarify that it's the rpo but we're doing it out of like option an sense. option lower yeah yeah so like and oh, i think antics yeah, i would say at that point like the the triple option is always you have a, it just means you have a choice of things to do on the play, which is exactly what an RPO is. The O means option in both situations. Okay. Well, it? I think, I think he doesn't want it branded as the option. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. He doesn't want to be army. He army doesn't guy. want to be Paul Johnson. Um, okay. I mean, I can only be one. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it's really smart though. And it's a style of offense that you don't need to recruit a five-star quarterback to yeah, really got well with. So I think that's why Jamie Chadwell should have gotten a huge look for the South Carolina job. Maybe he did and turned it down because you know he's going to get a bigger job in this offseason. But um, like that, that's the kind of thing where it's like it. That's a clear identity. It's a style that can travel. It doesn't rely on you landing. Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields to like really make your program go, like yeah. But Justin Fields in that offense, man. You, oh, you kidding yeah. me? Absolutely. So let's yeah. get, let's get Jamie Chadwell out of Myrtle Beach and to somewhere where he can get a Justin Fields, Michigan, or USC <laughs> or Texas. Yeah, no, I mean, so that was cool. Um, Ty. Is Zach is it Zach Wilson? I always say Tyler, but yes, Zach Wilson. That dude has he just steps into some throws and makes some freaking impressive throws. Like mm-hmm. over it the doesn't look the like game, he's throwing hard either. Really like weird, like over the top snappy kind of delivery that's just like all of a sudden the ball is just charging out of there. Like it looks like his hand like snaps. It, it looks like a like a pitch more than it looks like a yeah. like a like a ball player throwing uh, a football. But um that throw he made standing in his own end zone on that last drive like was a seed of a throw um that guy looks really good i think i would be excited if i was in the middle rounds of the nfl draft and was looking for a developmental quarterback gonna go earlier somebody's gonna get way too excited to take uh, the second <laughs> round but uh he like i like just per- his like personality too like coming out onto the field they had a chance to drive the field score a touchdown i mean they almost did it and he's smiling and he's like you know, he's not like doing the fake tough guy thing. Like he's keeping these guys loose and he, like, you can tell like, like they feed off his energy. So yeah. that's cool. Um, BYU probably a little disappointing on defense that they kind of got ate up the way they did on the ground. Uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. There was a speed difference as well. That. Yeah. Um, I saw, did I see that the center is like five nine two ninety five for, uh, for yeah, somebody called him a cube. So that's, <laughs> that's a thick, that's a thick dude which you know i'm into that so good for him but uh uh yeah i mean it was a really fun game the last play was wild um yeah i mean it was like a quintessential like fun relatively meaningless college football game which was just great because you could get like completely invested in it and just like bask in like the twenty-one thousand seat stadium and like the coastal carolina like fan shots that were very shouts out to the coastal carolina fans for being just Drunk AF. Oh my yes. goodness. Yeah, they were on one. Dream drunch. But uh and like shout out to college football for I mean the both schools for scheduling that game, putting yeah. it together, 
BYU for loading up the bus and driving across the country and making it happen and uh and and game day for just like leaning into it too like why not I mean this at this point like we're just mm-hmm. doing so yeah let's embrace the chaos good stuff all around what we've been trying to tell people to do for ever since we started this production you're right but I think that was it I mean it was uh it was another week another week in the book so we got what rivalry some rivalry games next weekend the rest some of them. Some games, and then we have SEC games, I think, uh, and then we have um, championship weekend is in two weekends. Yes, the nineteenth. Yeah, ACC plays on the nineteenth. I know that. Yes, as well. So that's uh, when Dr. Pepper really, really brings out all the stops. Are they going <laughs> to do the the uh, scholarship contests again this year? You got to do it on Zoom. <laughs> we'll Some guys. Like- doctored footage and does like one of those, uh vr goggles or something oh, <laughs> the oculus rift the dr pepper oculus rift yeah. uh shout out to jamie in her living room with the oculus rift sponsored by dr pepper falls through the, t- the television in her living room like kicks the cat i to be a veterinarian yeah i'm saving up for vet school but anyhow all right cool good weekend boys anything else jason no, all good. Peace be, peace be with you, brother. All right. Keep fighting the good fight out there. I know, uh, you know, this is uh, where college basketball is going to be weird. You said it weeks ago. It's going to be really interesting to see how it happens. Um, it seems, I would say, shout out to everybody for just kind of rolling with like games are going to get canceled and games are not going to happen and games are going to happen on short notice. And we're just going to uh, be excited about the things that Lace happen up and make it happen. Pretty much. Stay, stay safe out there. And, uh, you know, make sure you tell all your friends, Jason, about the Wheel Route podcast that you're on. Obviously. <laughs> all right, Jordan, you good? Mm-hmm. All right, it's Wheel Route. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. We are at the Wheel Route on Twitter. Wheel Route Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. We are at thewheelroute.com is the website. Stream the show. Look at the pics. Uh, until next time, go Gators. Go Hoos. Go Dukes. Go Dukes.